is the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. Our mission is to train those who give spiritual counsel to others. Whatever your skill level, we offer accessible and practical advice to those whose life or work frequently leads them to spiritual conversations. Our goal is to foster a growing relational connection with and loyalty to the God of the Bible. We help people choose life-giving reactions to the warning lights on the dashboard of their lives. Our passion comes from the belief that only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Welcome, everyone, to the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. This podcast, first launched a year ago, is a tool for training my expanding team of spiritual coaches at our growing multi-site church. I can't tell you how surprised I was that now hundreds of people are listening around the world. Wherever you are on the globe, Nancy and I are honored to have you aboard. Speaking of Nancy, my beautiful bride is in the studio with me today. (laughs) Well, thank you, honey. And hello, everyone. If you're interested in going back and listening to any of the three previous seasons, it would be helpful to begin with the first episode of season one. Each podcast is a standalone topical treatment, but they are episodic, so listening out of order will leave you without some necessary foundational content. Our intention with this podcast is to keep the explanation simple and relatable, and for the most part, avoid the clinical and theological terminology. So what I did is I swapped that out for modern and easily recognizable metaphors to explain spiritual and biblical ideas, as well as coaching techniques and, and approaches. Now, that doesn't mean that our content is overly simplistic or, or dumbed down or, or, or unhelpful to those who are further down the road, just that it's accessible and immensely usable. No matter your familiarity with the subject, you will be able to follow along at whatever level of experience and discover new ways to talk to others about spiritual subjects. Yes, and as we enter this fourth season, we will begin to offer true standalone episodes, tackling both new content as well as returning to subjects we already addressed but feel deserve greater attention. A new feature going forward will be answering specific questions that our listeners have submitted. Questions about specific spiritual coaching subjects or establishing and maintaining a spiritual coaching practice in your context. Listen to the end of the podcast and I will tell you how to submit questions and ideas for future episodes. Yes, and, and it's important that uh, I make a clarification. You understand my use of some terminology. Uh, in all of these podcasts, you, you know, I mentioned spiritual maturity and spiritual growth and those things consistently. Some people, when they hear those terms, especially if they've gone to church all their lives, might be tended to think about attending classes or amassing uh, intellectual understanding. And, and that's not what I mean when I talk about spiritual maturity or spiritual growth. I'm talking about first-person, hands-on, experiential knowledge of God. Spiritual maturity is knowing Him. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And that's what I mean when I talk about spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. If the relationship is strong and growing, everything else that's necessary to life as a follower of Jesus Christ will flow from that. In fact, we want you to know that we named the podcast The Spiritual Coaching Dashboard because just like the dashboard in your car, there are warning lights in our lives. They indicate to us that we need to do some heart work with God in order to step into our full potential. We need someone more qualified and experienced to do spiritual wrenching on our souls in order to improve our performance. Our dream for you is that you would unlock your potential through a heart healthy enough to know God deeply and follow Him fully, and then to pass your experience on to others. Now, without further delay, here is today's content. In this episode, 
um, I'll share part three of three parts on how to navigate those seasons in life when ministry, or anything else for that matter, is so intense and demanding that it disrupts the rhythms that protect our life and our relationships. Again, by in the way of summary, when a demanding season has been a long enough season, uh, let me just kind of uh, get you up to speed here. Uh, again, I, and I'll do that by making sure we understand what a demanding season is. These are times when there is a lot of work and only so much time to get it finished, or a lot of opportunity and only so many people and so much time to capitalize on it. The time you spend working begins to push out then into the rest of your life, past your boundaries, straight through your margins, and begins to consume everything in its path. It's when ministry becomes an all-consuming monster that is difficult, if not impossible, to tame. The press of ministry has grown to the point that both our vertical and horizontal relationships are stretched thin, and in response, we tell ourselves that we will have to, you know, push a little harder, uh, skimp on a few things, make some sacrifices to make life work for a season. However, when it comes to ministry and serving others, it's difficult to tell when a season has ended or when it should be ended, um, even if by force. Um, It is far too easy to be manipulated or to bias ourselves with justifications like it's a good cause, ministry requires sacrifice, sometimes you have to adjust your priorities for the sake of the mission, and my favorite, well, it's only for a season. Our response to these three demanding seasons is often to skim on our priorities. By skim, I mean to quickly or lightly touch while passing over, like like a stone we've skipped across the surface of the water. It doesn't stay anywhere long enough to make more than a few ripples. We give a brief cursory glance to people and responsibilities because we feel we do not have the time to do more. To do more, We dabble in things that should never be dabbled with, things that should be top priority. When it's our God connection, we're trifling with something that should be all-consuming. <clears throat> in the uh, two previous podcasts, Uh, The first and second of these three episodes on the topic, I covered two myths that we believe about these demanding seasons in life. The first was, I can get away with skimming. Um, I talked how that was a lose-lose scenario for everyone, and what skimming is, just basically, I netted it down to dabbling and what deserves more. So myth one, I can get away with skimming. Myth two, I can never sacrifice too much. And uh, that's a myth. So we talked about priorities and not blending them and mixing up. We talked about the idea of too much sacrifice or offering what God never asked for for from us. We talked about this the horrible deed of sacrificing our children and what God said about that. Um, We also talked about not getting between God and our kids like the disciples did. And then in case you missed it, basically I said skimming is a bad idea all around. In this episode, I'm going to make seven practical suggestions for managing these demanding seasons, given the reality of these two myths, and I'm going to make a couple reading recommendations after that. So, so three episodes later, and I still have not answered the question, what is one to do, especially if they feel it's required of them to work and serve so hard for so long that the relationship with God and mankind is neglected and in danger of being compromised? What is someone to do. We're going to dive right in. Number one, establish a rhythm to your life and defend it. So to begin with, you have to have routines that protect your connection with God and others in order to leave them behind. In fact, how are you going to know if you're pushing too hard if you do not have a disciplined, normal, and healthy pace in place? How are you going to know you've pushing too hard 
You're not going to. If you don't have something that you have proven will protect vital relationships and priorities. Um, And and so that's something you deliberately keep. How are you going to know? If you have relationships that are important to you, you need to build your life around them with margin around that so that you do not inadvertently allow those significant ones to drift away or your own heart to shrivel up. You need space for your own sanity and connection with the Almighty. Space for play and exercise and hobbies and and Sabbath and and anything that helps you keep your balance in life. If you play loosey-goosey with your relationships, you need to rethink your life. It will be far too easy to get into and stay into a season of neglect if you do not have these established habits. It will be hard to know when you have pushed long enough if doing that to the point of skimming on relationships is your norm. For example, if you are a workaholic, you, you know, you need to get some help first before you enter one of these intense seasons, or you will not know when you've worked too much. Now, that routine is not going to be worth much if, if the slightest thing is allowed to interrupt it. Um, like my relationship with the gym. I put relationships in quotation marks there, air quotes, if you will. I really do not like going to the gym. Just just a confession there. Exercise, if, you know, it's, it's all right if I can trick myself into thinking I'm not exercising. That's why I play racquetball, <laughs> because it's so much more interesting and attracted to me than exercising could ever be. And if I know that there's, you know, someone expecting me to show up and partner that I've got to play against, I'm far more apt to, to be sure that I get there than if the only thing expecting me is a stupid machine on which I must laboriously exercise. Because of my general dislike for exercise, for the sake of exercise alone, I'm not always too quick to protect my Tuesday-Thursday routines. Add a little complication of my, my physical disability into it and the, the fact that on gym days I, I, I run out of a physical steam sometimes by noon, well, you get the picture. I have the habit, but I look for excuses to break it. This cannot be like that with, uh, it, it cannot be like that with our relational routines for life. Something must be proactively done to ensure we do not make or take opportunities to interrupt it. So one way I do that um, with, with less than compelling routines is to plan a reward into it that gives yourself that you give yourself on the other side of it. So for the gym, a trip to Dunkin' Donuts for my morning coffee is my usual reward. All right, so hopefully the relationship with, with spouse and children will be reward enough. But if not, and it's not always, but we won't get into the depths of that right now. While you're getting help correcting that lack of emotion and connection, all right, do whatever you can to protect those relational habits and be ruthlessly intentional about it. So establish the habits before you need them, and then when you need them, defend them ruthlessly. All right, so the point is that we must have healthy habits intentionally built into our daily, weekly, monthly, yearly routines for the key priorities in life, and then we defend them ruthlessly. Number one, all right, establish a rhythm to your life and defend it. Number two, never skim on God. This should be self-evident. As long as he leaves you on earth, he expects you to take care of your devotion to and love for him. God will never call you to work that forces you to bail out on your relationship with him for even a day. Besides, my experience is that when I take time out of my day to be with God, I get more done in less time. 
If I have too much to do, so much that I don't know how I'm going to get it all done, I spend a little more time with Jesus that day, not less. If you have a, a daily significant connection with God, um, skip maybe one Sabbath, but not two in a row. The more you miss sequentially, the easier it becomes to skip yet another. Assuming again that your practice that you practice Sabbath keeping, skimming on a relationship with God will push you dangerously close to idolatry. In fact, a new pattern that begins to leave God out is a good sign that an idol has already taken up residence in your heart. Remember this, season of intense responsibilities wears on nerves, it tires us physically, tests our patience and grace and forgiveness, and, oh, well, it seems like a season when we would do better to have more of God in our lives, not less. Vacations are notoriously hard on normal routines, and they should be. That is what a vacation is, a break from the routine, right? It does, um, it does us good to relax by breaking with our, our rhythms for a week or two, especially if a vacation for you means you have more time to be with God and family, just not in those normal places and spaces or for the normal durations. But vacations end. Make sure they do. Usually far too quickly. And then it's back to life. And back to those habits that keep life from running the show and robbing our heart of devotion to God. So one is establish a rhythm to your life and defend it. Two, never skim on God. Three, keep demanding seasons short. So the translation there is rarely skim on your earthly relationships. Do not commit to projects that will put your relationships on the sacrificial altar of ministry. Not if you know it will force you to ignore significant others for prolonged periods. Just don't. If you find yourself in such a season, as we all do from time to time, regardless of our best efforts, they do sneak up on us. We didn't see them coming. You've got to refuse to allow that season to drag on and on. A sacrifice you make should be the one that frees up margin to spend in quality and quantity time with ones you love. That's the right sacrifice. All you have to do, uh, all you have to do is ask the family. They will tell you when it's been long enough. That does not mean you should put your family over God, just over ministry usually. God is the only one who deserves our worship. You know, I told my wife early in marriage that she was not, nor would she, could she ever become the love of my life. That place is already taken by my God. Um, just do not say yes to anything or anyone that demands that you, that, that chooses for you what your priorities will be. Okay. Don't let someone else tell you this will be your priority. No job or ministry is worth losing um, your family or your God connection over. Do not be manipulator. Allow fear of failure or rejection or anything else talk you into putting too much of yourself into lesser priorities, not for indefinite seasons. You may need to say no to an employer or pastor or other church leader. <gasps> yes, indeed. If you are not well enough to risk their disapproval or differentiated enough to make your own choices about your priorities, get some spiritual counsel. Find the wellness you need, the wellness you need to, to be and do as God directs over what others try to dictate. Maybe you will need to embrace the adventure of trusting God enough to risk your job. Practically speaking, make the choice to break into those seasons with necessary time for valued people and God. Schedule it. Instead of one long season, break it into manageable bits. I suggest maybe two-week blocks, maybe three, probably not four. A lot can happen in a relationship in a month. 
Give loved ones something to look forward to, and then do not cancel or disappoint for any reason other than blood and death. Plan bi-weekly family nights, right, during the difficult season, and Saturdays once a month, you know, outing, outings, Saturday outings once a month. Be creative and let those you love become involved with planning these interventions into the middle of these demanding seasons. Then defend them with your life. Uh, your family will love you for it, and your God will be pleased. Let's take a short break so you can rest your brain. You've been used to a new episode each week as we work through our first three seasons. As we move into season four, the episodes will drop less frequently, but at least once a month. Whatever the reason and from wherever you are listening, we are so glad you have come along for the ride. That is why we are excited to invite you to help us determine some of our future content. At the close of this episode, we will tell you how you can send your questions, ideas for topics, and suggested book reviews. If this podcast is helpful, we ask that you take a moment to rate, follow, and share it on whatever platform you use to stream content so that others can find us too. All right, let's finish today's episode of this podcast. All right, so one was establish a rhythm to your life and defend it. Two was never skim on God. Three was keep demanding seasons seasons short. Let's pick up with number four. The more relationships, the more we need to be present and available. Okay, the more relationships you have, the more we need to be present and available. So, so if obeying God means death, leaving behind a you know a widowed spouse or orphaned children, so be it. That's in God's hands. Our life is not our own. You know, I often wonder how I would do if I would have the strength should God ask me to kiss my wife and kids goodbye to die a martyr's death. Sometimes I would do wonder about that. But as long as he leaves you, as he leaves me here on earth, he expects us to take care of our people. Do you have an aging parent? Don't abandon them or fend, to fend for themselves for too many weeks. The, the marriage relationship, you know, between husband and wife is more complex than friendships, acquaintances, or even kids in my mind. That connection is on a different level. To become one flesh, that has a deep connection. So generally speaking, it will be harmed more quickly and easily. If you expected me to say that it can endure more separation, you may need to check your habits for signs of neglect. So, so if you're married, you have to take more care than if you were single. Um, you do not have kids? All right, you're freer to push a little harder. You have two or three or more kids, especially if between the ages of one and six, you know, when they're not in school yet, well, that's a different season, and it's one all of its own. Do you have a teenager or two? They still need you, maybe more than ever. Uh, so does your spouse. Invest in your relationships with them so that when the kids finally move out, you do not discover that the person on the other side of the bed is pretty much a stranger. Too many marriages end shortly after the nest becomes empty because the relationship at the top has been neglected, often for the kids. Sacrifice ministry to be with your brood. Sacrifice ministry to be with your brood. Get yourself home at all but a couple nights of the week and reserve enough energy to do your part. That brings up this next point. Number five, manage your energy as well as your schedule. I could really dive into this one, and I'm actually just going to keep it short, but given some physical limitations that I have, I learned a few years ago that I had to start managing my energy 
I had to plan things around when my energy was high and when it was low. And because of, of events in my life, the time that my energy was high got really compacted. And I had to get more careful about how I plan my day. It's one thing to plan time with God and family. It's another thing to be awake and rested enough to be truly present. Falling asleep on the couch is not going to fill up relational needs. Being tired and stressed and frazzled will not leave you with the patience and attention you will need to make people feel loved and valued. They'll feel like they're in the way. They'll feel like they're extraneous. They'll feel like they're getting um, between you and something more important. And, And trying to talk to God when you cannot help but fall asleep is obviously going to negatively affect your connection with God. As a general rule, no matter the season, give the people you love the best of you, not the scraps, not the leftovers, not the worst of you. So make more relationships. Uh, The more relationships you have, make more time to be present and available. Manage your energy as well as your schedule. Number six, make the sacrifice mutual. This one is clearly in reference to your family. Um, Get them to join you on whatever project you're facing. Uh, Let them share the the deadline. Serve with your family. That that affords you opportunity to model honorable honorable behavior before them. Sacrifice them uh, with them, not alone and apart from them. The very least, pray together about it. In front of your family, ask God to help you manage your time and energy in a way that does not damage your relationships. That's going to give them opportunity to bring it up and say, Hey, Dad, remember that prayer? Hey, Mom, remember that prayer? Okay, then plan celebrations midway through and then at the finish line to stoke the relationships. Uh, you can actually make times for extreme, of, of extreme pressure a family bonding event. Especially in ministry where it's often easier to share it with your your loved ones, it can be redeemed instead of becoming something that stretches those relationships to the limit and threatens to damage them. Imagine the fun of a family trip or other celebratory time after you all have worked very hard for something, particularly if it's a ministry project. All right, number seven, sacrifice yourself before God or others. Now, I'm a little reluctant to mention this because some of you are all too familiar with having no life of your own. You're you're too familiar. Your brokenness drives you to give so much that you have nothing for yourself. This is clearly not the best or or a long-term solution here, even if you're healthy. Some of you are not well enough internally to come anywhere near this. But I mention because the Bible's focus on self-control and selflessness. Um... You may need to discipline yourself to avoid for a season things you usually do just for yourself in order to be with those you love, all right? Do not abandon your family or your God. Just don't abandon your family or God. You must, you, um, if you must push something so far that it falls off the edges of your margin, you know, push some of your hobbies and your downtime and, and diversions, push them away first. Just you just will not have the leisure of spending a week away, you know, um, uh, a weekend away with friends, or a day on the golf course, or an afternoon at the spa. If it takes you away from God and family, uh, for me, time with family is one of the things I do for the welfare of my soul. So that helps. If you're like me, you can accomplish two things at once. And in these demanding season, anything that helps you make the most of your time is something to think about. Again, taking care of yourself is extremely important, so mind how long the season is. You need those golf outings and spa days. Oh, and just to be clear, do not include your relationship with God as something you give up under this heading. I, for one, think the church and everyone else has endured enough stories of predominant leaders 
in the church who have crashed and burned in anything but a blaze of glory. Sure, the condition of their heart was certainly to blame. But if part of the problem at the core is that they believed these myths, that skimming will not damage anything, and that there is no way to sacrifice too much when serving God. What if they violated many or most of these suggestions above that I just gave you, lost touch with God and family, and one day found themselves far from both? What if, having sacrificed what God never asked of them, uh, they, they severed or at least greatly reduced the relational connection with God and family? What if they let one demanding season run into another for the sake of the kingdom and woke up one day neck deep in stuff that they never wanted and never foresaw being a problem? What if at that point admitting their mistake was too little, too late? What if they skimmed for so long that they never recovered and skimming became their new normal? What if? At least think about what I'm saying, even if you don't completely agree. There's a time for everything under the sun, but... How long is long enough? When has a demanding season been a long enough season? Let me throw at you a couple books, both by Pete Scazzaro. You spell his name S-C-A-Z-Z-E-R-O. The first one I actually use in counseling, and I just quote the subtitle to people so they get my point here, but it's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And here's a subtitle. It's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. That's emotional, healthy spirituality. And then there's the the emotionally healthy leader. How transforming your inner life will deeply transform your church, team, and the world. Now, uh, this season, you can find the transcripts of these podcasts at my blog site. Uh, These show notes, uh, they not only include the the script I use, but uh, often Bible references that I haven't uh, shared on air and some of the episodes provide direct links to the books like I gave you. You can go to my um, my blog site and you can just click on those links and find those books easily. Um, and there's other other helpful links that might show up in, in the show notes as well as um, uh, being able to search other um, blogs as well, blog posts as well. So just go to tworivers.church backslash Brave the Rapids. That's tworivers.church backslash Brave the Rapids. Next time on the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, given our recent conversation, let's move on to talk about a theology of work, the work ethic that is presented in the Bible and through Jesus' example. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, do not waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how God would have you work the new thought into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been. We firmly believe that God will exchange the wounding of the past for the wellness of the future. A transformation that frees us to be wholeheartedly available to Him and those near us. As we walk into that healing, we gain the humble confidence and godly credibility needed to step unrestricted into the life and impact God has for us. And when we experience that for ourselves, it gives us a compelling story from which to call others to experience the same. We pray that God uses the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. If you would like to submit a question or topic for a future episode of our podcast, here as promised is the contact information. The email address is carrie at tworivers.church or text 
at SC Dashboard from the social media platform of your choice. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. Thank you.